for a few months, actually a lot of years, of course, one of the disciplines that I thought was necessary for my ministry, our ministry, was to teach on various doctrines of the Scripture uh, in communion services. So once a month I got into some doctrines of the Scriptures and enjoyed almost like a classroom setting as it relates to teaching these various doctrines uh, to the church. And this morning we're going to look at, for a few moments at least, the doctrine of justification by faith, as has been read for us from Romans chapter 3. So I would encourage you to turn to Romans chapter 3. Of course, it'll be on the screen, but we'll do a little survey, hopefully a little deeper than normal, as it relates to this important doctrine, doctrine of justification by faith. As we come to Romans chapter 3, verses uh, 24 through 26, we want to, as mentioned, look at the doctrine of justification by faith. And why this is so important, of course, is the fact that during the early part of this service, we literally fellowshiped in this doctrine of justification by faith. We had opportunity to reflect on God's goodness to us. We also had opportunity to again pay thank you and remembrance to Christ, who's paid the enormous price for our forgiveness and for our eternal salvation. And also justification by faith gives us a clear sense of, of understanding of our position in Christ, who we are in Christ Jesus and what it means to be a child of the King and co-equal with Christ. As one of our missionaries said from India years ago, when God looks upon us through Christ, He sees us as an individual and as a person that has never sinned. Now that's strong teaching, but that's what this missionary said who gave his life to missions in India where it is so very difficult But some of these missionaries in India, of course, were used of God to lead the Ravi Zacharias family to Christ. And we all know the significance of Ravi's ministries amongst us as well. This morning, like in every church that I've been a part of, we have to wrestle with people as it relates to this doctrine. And, of course, the wrestling is to the point where do, do we really know for certain that we are children of the King? Even in these nine weeks that I've been with you, I've had to discuss some of that with some of you to absolutely help you to understand that on the basis of faith, focused on the Lord Jesus Christ and receiving Him as personal Lord and Savior and asking Christ through His blood to wash you from your sin, you are His eternal child. Now think of that when you're going through where every aspect of doubt crosses your mind. Whereas we're Christians, but really wonder why we're here. God's Spirit will tell you in your heart, based on the finished work of Christ, on God's decree, you are a child 
of the king. This becomes very real in all aspects of life. But also when people are breathing almost their last. Is to see how the comforting spirit of God is able to enable these people to die in peace. Because of their position and rank in God. Amen. Sit and soak in that for a little while. But this morning, for a few moments at least, we're going to give a little survey, a little study on the doctrine of justification by faith. I'm going to read you a definition I gave to one of my professors for one of my degrees as it relates to this doctrine. If you want to copy it down, I'm going to repeat it twice. And of course, I think it's on the screen as well. Justification is God's act. God's act of remitting the sins of guilty men and declaring them righteous. God's act. Fully free by His grace through faith in Christ on His ground, not on man's own works, but of the Lord Jesus Christ on man's behalf. Now, that's a simple definition. And it got me an A in the paper. So trust it, you know. I wrote that paper about 40 some odd years ago, 45 years ago, I guess. And I still use it. So Now, being that there's some good budding thinkers in here, write another definition. I'll gladly copy it and recognize you, of course. Justification is God's act of remitting the sins of guilty men and declaring them righteous. Fully free by His grace through faith in Christ, on His ground, not on man's own works, but the representative law-keeping and redemptive blood-shedding of Jesus Christ on man's behalf. Now, putting it in kind of some familiar language, some of us who like to think and look up to several things, just think of God on His throne. Eternally there. The 24 elders singing constantly, Holy, holy, holy is God. And he's fully aware of everything that's taking place around him. In all of creation. Past, present, and future. Fully apprised of all that's taking place in the events and affairs of people. God is saying to you and I, from his throne, on the basis of you and I exercising faith to receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior and Lord, he says, you're my child. Forever. Nothing can take you away from me. We have an eternal relationship with God. Now, some of us, um, as we think of special needs children and uh, just, uh, you know, kind of a more of a personal touch with this. We think of Christ, Mark's gospel, having a child sitting on his lap and said, for such is the kingdom of heaven. You can go as high and mighty and as austere as you like or just keep it just as simple and as practical as you want. But the words are said, you're my child. I want to ask you a question this morning. 
Do you think there is sufficient blood in Christ to wash you from your sin, past, present, and future, that you can enjoy His presence forever? Or do you have filters? Well, I do certain things, or I go to church three out of four Sundays a month, and I make sure I pay my tithe and all this kind of stuff, love my wife, take my kids to McDonald's for chicken McNuggets. Understand now Weight Watchers is saying that's good food. I'm not going to go there, but justification by faith. <clears throat> I have a ton of stock in McDonald's. Now, if you believe that, uh, we all need forgiveness. I'm sorry. But do we really understand God's act on our behalf on the basis of God honoring Christ and His shed blood as sufficient means to cover our sin? Let's take it one step further. What have you thought about when it comes to the cup that Christ consumed in Gethsemane? There's a tremendous amount of Greek flow in that word cup, which we haven't got time to discuss this morning. But I'll say this. All of the sin of man, past, present, and future, was in that cup. And God poured out His wrath on the Son of Man in that cup. But as a result of the perfect life of Jesus, mentally, physically, emotionally, etc. Because He's perfect. Because He's the Son of God. Because He did all things perfect. God satisfied His wrath for all of humanity. And has let us go free. Now, if we're still on the same page, we are in good stead. Because that's what it gets to. We, we have to come to the point that we see ourselves hopelessly lost. Undone. No hope of any kind, anywhere, under any circumstances. We're hopeless. But God, look through the obedience of Christ, the perfect one, zeroed in that cup, and God satisfied every lick of His wrath concerning sin. And by faith, we go free. That's the sufficiency of the gospel. Over here is wrath, over here is grace. And out of the abundance of grace we have, I'm His kid. Amen? Now, how many of you said, well, you know, I struggle with that because of past sins. Oh, we have consequences of that stuff, obviously. But just deep within the recesses of our hearts, where nothing else penetrates but the love person of Christ by the Spirit, in spite of these Horrible things that we've been through. Terrible acts of disobedience. He still says on the basis of faith, faith that he's given us to exercise. Kuiper. We're his kid. When you get to that level of thought, and 
wonder, then justification by faith starts to make sense. You see, we'll never know how lost we are. We'll never know completely how found we are. But we know peace that passes all understanding and keeps our hearts and minds stayed on Him. Amen? Now we've got justification. All right, let's look at four points this morning as it relates to the text. God's attitude, verse 24. He justifies us freely. He delights in doing it. It's a great party for Him. There's just a great sense within His heart and His mind, and etc. to freely give us His grace. Philippians tells us in chapters 1 and 2, verse 6 and verse 13, God does this on the merits of His good pleasure. Delights in redeeming us. Delights in understanding our hopeless need and presenting to us the Lord Jesus Christ that as a result of faith we can have a vital personal relationship with Him. He delights in that. Call one time in Mansfield, I sat down with four thoracic surgeons as they were going into surgery. And before we prayed, I asked a question to one of the thoracic surgeons. He says, what gives you good pleasure? Because I was preaching on this particular text that Sunday, following in the church. One of the doctors said after a few minutes of thinking about it, he says, you know, what I really like is, you know, I went to the person's carotid in his neck, minor on the left, some are on the right, sometimes both goes in there with his knife with his precision his lens and is able to take out that diseased vein insert another vein sew it up and what gives him great pleasure when he sees the blood going up through that vein after the clamps are removed he gets great delight in that I talked to him this past Thursday. God delights. It's on the basis of His good pleasure. He wants to redeem us. He says, oh, gee, I guess i got to do this again. No. He delights in this. And He keeps it very simple and very focused. Everybody in the world can be saved at the same time if they wish, on the basis of faith. But you know, He came and walked. In the cool of the day with Adam and Eve, these two people. Not at noon when things were so tough. Cool of the day. A bit more relaxed. Good pleasure. Good pleasure. God's provision, verse 24, freely by His grace. God's love and favor toward us. That's grace. God's love and favor toward us. Even before He started to love us, there was favor and grace on the basis of His good pleasure. He doesn't have to crank it up. There isn't a need for an emotional service first to get us all up in whatever to understand His grace. He is grace. It's one of His attributes. And by the Spirit and by His energy, He's able to put that forward as a wholesome truth to enable us to experience His love and His grace toward us. Even when we were undone, even when we were rank disobedient, 
He loved us and has given us His grace to draw us to Himself. That's why Christ was able to say with integrity, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. It also gave Christ enormous pedigree, enormous pedigree to say to God, on the basis of His obedience, on the basis of the purity of His life, on the basis of the truth of His mind, on the basis of His emotions, blood being spilt, it is finished. Because it's finished, God looks upon us through Christ as His kids. It's not like we see in our culture these days when you have a finished product and it gets recalled a lot. You know, it is completed once and for all and forever on His good pleasure and His grace is toward us. It's not toward the trees or the rocks or the sea or fish. How many like fish? you got no company with me. I'm not a fish eater, though I will enjoy a salmon once in a while. No, He loves us. He redeems us. Okay? Point number three. God's defense. Notice verses 24 and 25 of Romans chapter 3. I better find it first so I know what I'm reading here. 24. Let me read that verse. Justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. He did this to demonstrate His justice because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate His justice at the present time so as to be, to be just and the one who justifies the man who is, who is faith in Jesus. Now, <clears throat> I want to take you to the classroom this morning and just kind of <clears throat> draw some lines and try to apply this truth. Verses 24 and 25, so we clearly understand, hopefully, what's going on. I mean, I had a person tell me not too long ago, Pastor, you're a great guy, but when you preach sometimes, it's as muddy as water, so... Here we go. I'm only kidding. I will tell you that. But let's look at this um, verses 24 and 25 from the Greek text perspective. And let's draw some circles. Now, the, can, you see, can you see that up in the gallery, guys? Because they couldn't see that in the first service. You know, maybe I should do it again. But uh, anyway, I want everybody to see this. Now, what that circle is all about is trying to discuss trying to describe God in terms of His actions toward us in time and space. You know, somewhere along in here we have the life of Abraham. And what did Abraham do? He lived by faith. And as a result of Abraham living by faith, God counted his faith unto him as righteousness. There was no Christ here. What I'm getting at is, in God's mind, we have the new covenant. We have the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. God honored the faith of Abraham. 
and encounter them to righteousness because of God's view of what His eternal plan was all about. Amen? Now, we have Christ. Christ came along, born of a virgin, grew up amongst us. His miracles, His teaching, His sleeping, His comforting of people, His sharp rebuke of the scribes and Pharisees, His calming of the waters, the way He thought about people, the way He thought about sinners. All of that is pure and perfect. And because Christ laid down His life, His blood was spilt. And even the spilling of His blood we have in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10 through 12 of the book of Hebrews. What He did there was perfect. Pure water, as the text says. And as a result of that act, as far as Christ is concerned, what did God do? He looked back to Moses and Abraham and said, that has been taken care of. God also looks forward, as far as John chapter 17 is concerned, and said, these people who believe subsequent to the resurrection of Christ, they too will be a part of the family of God. All because of the finished work of Christ. Now that's in the present tense, as far as these circles are concerned. The act of Christ is in the heirs. Now, somebody walked in this morning with a camera. And I forgot to bring mine. I almost bored it from her. And I was going to bring it up here and I was going to get it all focused. I'm going to say, I gotcha. That's the error's tense. Spot action. Completed action right now. And that picture will last as long as the quality of that paper is. When Christ died, error's tense. Picture. Purchased for us our eternal salvation. And the basis of receiving Jesus Christ by faith on the merits of God's good pleasure, on the merits of God's mind as it relates to the finished work of Christ, we become His kids. Once and for all and forever. I heard one little amen. Man, I tell you, we should be jumping up and down with this. You know, now I can't because of my back. But let's get a little bit more precise with this. I got about seven minutes yet, so endure. When God was thinking of us, it is in the perfect present tense, always. Which means that God thinks of me as I walk across the stage. There's been a little time lapse from over here to me arriving over here. In that time lapse, as God has followed me and as I've walked with Him, what He says to me is perfect. And enduring forever. As we walk and talk with God. He thinks of us in the perfect. Though the psalmist says our lives are but a vapor. His love for us is always in the perfect present tense. That's what gives him full pedigree to chasten us. That's what gives Him full right to chasten us and help us understand the consequences of our sin and recognize the importance of ongoing forgiveness. You know, Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 20 has these words. There is not a righteous man on earth 
who does what is right and never sins. Am I the only one that's in that camp? But the present tense of God's love for us on the basis of His good pleasure, focusing on Christ, the author and protector of our faith, the one who was obedient, is able to look upon us as His kids. Now let's get right down to the rubber hits the road. How many of you sinned this past week? I want to see your hands. And if you haven't got your hand up right now, you're going to meet me after church this morning and I'm going to make sure. But understand, I'm still a human being and I probably won't treat, to reach you perfectly, but I know someone who will. So uh, there's hope for me as well. When you sinned this past week, did you feel convicted of that? Was it specifically dealing with the sin? But there was there part of that still, small voice of the Spirit saying, You're my child. You can be restored. Now, am I the only one that experiences that? No. Hey, what? No hands. Well, there's a few in the balcony. The balcony listens well. I don't know about the rest of you, but the balcony listens well. That's justification by faith. That's what it's all about. God has declared from His throne on the basis of the finished work of Christ and He placed upon Christ all of our sin, the cup, and He's given us faith to exercise to receive Him as personal Lord and Savior. And as a result of exercising that faith, we become a child of the King. And He perfectly, by the Spirit, deals with us that someday He's going to present us before His presence with what? Exceeding great joy. Now, if this truth has not penetrated you yet, and you think, well, there's all kinds of filters that I've got to work through this in order to really understand and appreciate God's grace, because I'm really not good enough, that is sin. You need to get past that and live in obedience. He took it upon Himself on the cross. Did you ever see the thief on the cross say, well, Neil Christ, I'm not just quite sure about this. I've been an awful robber. I, I just, 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 just... What did he say? With me being paradise, wasn't a real guy. The centurion, the Roman guy, absolutely opposed to anything but Judaism. What did he say to us in two of the Gospels when he saw Christ slowly dying for us? Behold, he was a righteous man. Now, have I got to you this morning? Have I made you squirm? Have I made you glad in your hearts that you're justified by faith? Because of the finished work of Jesus and our God from His throne. Took the anvil and said, Bang! Ha! I've got it fixed. Jesus is my man. He's the one who can save us to the uttermost. Because the gospel is complete in every way. Man, you're a quiet bunch this morning. Good night. Do I got to stand in my head? No, I'm just, I'm just having fun with you. To make this point very clear, let's turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. You know, when Israel was having its most terrible time, the time of Nehemiah, what did they do back there to help bring stability back to the situation? 
they have a rip-roaring service? Well, they might have. They might have. These Israelis, when they get converted, they know how to worship, let me tell you. But this is what they did. Turn to me to Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to end with this note. Verse 15 of Colossians chapter 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, Christ, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything He might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed upon the cross. Are you resolved? God's focus is on what? His Son. Sees us because He's focused on His Son to look upon us as His kids. Amen? My goodness. Let's do that again. Amen. Amen. There we go. There we go. I mean, look at folks. Look at folks. The world is in desperate shape. I can take you to the underground church in China today and I can show you literally tens of thousands of believers because they've come to that reality of this doctrine in spite of the conditions of hostility. When I taught at the 3C College in, in China a few years ago, I looked at those students, I'm almost weeping here. Because when I was teaching them, looking in their eyes, I knew in the back of their heads if they go back to their respective areas, what could happen to these kids? Might lose their life. They were resolved about the justification by faith. They wanted to pay the price. Amen? Janet will come and lead us in our closing number. As she comes, let us do a little praying, all right? Father, nurture us by the Spirit to be settled in You because of the accuracy of Your focus and the perfection and obedience of the Master. Help us to walk by faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.